Welcome, everyone, to episode 34, post-NBA trade deadline, episode 34 of the Dream Team podcast. I am your host, as always, Jake Schultz, and joined with me is Zulfi Shake. What's up, what's up? And Spencer Kloss. Are we back, boys? Hell yeah. uh, we are back. We are. It was just me and Zulfi last episode. You Technically, Spencer, you haven't had really a lot to say about Pascal Siakam leaving because that was a big giant 12 o'clock in the morning therapy session between me and Zulfi. So uh, why don't we give you a little bit of the floor here? Why don't you give us a little bit of your thoughts on Pascal no longer in Toronto? It's been a while, but I'm sure people still want to hear what you have to say. Quick fire. Yeah, well, I do have the advantage of having hindsight, and based on how the Raptors have been playing, it's, I mean, it was obviously the right move to make. Um, we got three firsts for Siakam. That's pretty good. I, he has to be resigning in Indiana, is my thoughts on that. Um, I don't know why they would do the deal if he wasn't. And, yeah, he's he's looked pretty good for Indiana so far. Um, I'm happy for him, but I wish they would give him the ball a little bit more. I was watching the... Warriors Pacers game last night and he was actually playing pretty well when he got the ball but he didn't take enough shots for me and I wish they would give him the ball a bit more I think like I said on the last episode I was on I think he's like one of the best ISO scoring uh, big men in the league so they need to give him the ball a bit more and uh, let's see how Indiana can do they just tried away Buddy Heald obviously so. they did I, I think they're going to be fine I think a lot of it's going to be having to work in that process with Halliburton and Siakam because Halliburton's been out for so long with his hamstring injury that yeah. even like he's just starting to now be taken off minute restrictions. I think the more that they play together, the more Siakam will have a chance to get the ball because right now it is very ISO heavy and I don't feel like that's kind of not what the Pacers have been doing a lot this year. So I think it'll be more interesting to see, but it is it is weird seeing him in a different jersey. That yellow does not look good on him. I'm going to be honest. It, it just looks odd. Even when I saw the gold this year when he was wearing it for the Raptors, it looked a little weird. Nah, the, the pace jerseys don't look right on him. He looks good in the uh, – and there's a blue one, right? I swear I was looking at CP images yeah. and saw him in a blue jersey, and I thought he looked kind of good. No. Can't no. lie, but I, – I will say I do like the blue more than the yellow. That's for sure. I just think the Pacers have really ugly jerseys. Yeah, they yeah, haven't yeah, had the many ones. bangers. They have that, like – the throwback burgundy and like gold ones for a bit. Like Paul George was in uh, with the Pacers when they had those. Those are kind of neat, different colors. But yeah, and unless you have like an iconic player in them, like a Reggie Miller, there's not really many good Pacers jerseys you can look back on. They're, they're just City a team. Ones definitely suck, oh, sure. God. I don't know what that is, but they're just a team kind of filled with no aura. You know, we, we talk with Tyrese all the time that he's just the most un. <laughs> the weirdest person we've seen in the league with like zero aura to him and it, like fits, what, man oh my god what <laughs> he was looking like he was right out of peaky blinders with half of those fits oh i don't know what he was doing yeah, i was like this is how you're gadget, welcoming siakam the inspector gadget <laughs> trench coat but with like shoulder pads basically <laughs> yeah um okay anyways let's move on to the, the trade deadline because this is feel felt like we've had like a long trade deadline as raptors fans with Two primary players getting traded earlier and OG Ananobi at late December. Pascal Siakam, obviously, a couple weeks ago. All leading up to the trade deadline yesterday, which people were kind of a little bit sour on, being like, whoa, not all these big people moved. But you heard from a lot of these people, like Mark Stein was saying, that like, don't expect a lot of movement from big, free, big guys like Zach Levine, like DeJounte Murray. And that's exactly what happened. None of the big, big guys went. Really, the biggest name that I could think of that went was Bog- Dan Bogdanovich. 
And that's a name we've been looking at for a long time to be moved. The the Pistons, finally, thank God, you freed him. Bogey was just rotting there for so long. Freed him. And we're going to do a little bit of an overview first, but this is obviously more of a Raptors-based podcast, so we're going to look at the Raptors' perspective. First, two trades done by Masai Ujiri yesterday. One, maybe not, that people were expecting. And one player, well, multiple players, still on the team. Bruce Brown Jr., his name was in the rumors for so long now. It was seen that he was going to be a player that the front office was going to be bringing in and looking to see what they can get for him. Obviously, did not get the value that they thought was worth. He is still on the Raptors. Similarly, Gary Trent Jr., not a single rumor about him at all and was kept. You heard Bobby Webster saying in the press conference that there's TBD, what happens with Gary, which is a crazy thing to say about a player. I don't think I've ever seen management just talk about their players. Like, yeah, it's to be determined what we do with Gary, but said that they want to look at him more with that team, see how he fits in because he's been shooting the ball well. Um, and then the other one, Chris Boucher, so much rumor around him. Nah, it just seems like Boucher survives every single trade deadline every single time that he's getting put out he's he's still here and the raptors the trades they did make brought in a couple more veterans in kelly olenic and spencer dimwitty oh wait just kidding spencer dimwitty is gone let's go over these trades shall we first one up i want to talk about is the dennis schroeder trade before we get into the other one because we should try to make some sense over what happened here dennis schroeder the Raptors guard that was signed in the offseason after he championed Germany to FIBA World Cup gold, the MVP, arguably one of the biggest signings in Toronto Raptors history and free agency, as crazy as that sounds, was traded to the Brooklyn Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie, as well as Thaddeus Young, RIP Thaddy, I will always miss you, to the Nets, who was waived, and Spencer Dinwiddie also was waived back. There's reports that this trade was done to get out of completely out of Schroeder's contract with a $1.5 million bonus in his contract that was set to kick in if he continued to play games. Raptors did not want to take a chance with that and pay him. And here they are. They are now without a traditional point guard, backup point guard on their roster. And one of their big signings has now been moved. So Zolfi, I'm going to come to you first. What are your thoughts on this trade? And why do you think the front office just decided to dump Schroeder away like that? If, if we're going based on the reporting of it all, it's beyond just a salary dump. Uh, Michael Granger Sportsnet did mention that uh, Gary, uh, sorry, uh, Dennis Schroeder was uh, seemingly not happiest because of the move to the bench after the manual quickly trade. I'm sure when he signed with this team, we saw how he was greeted by Darko at Summer League in Vegas. Kind of, It seemed like he was kind of touted to be the starting point guard with this team, with a team that should have been more competitive at the gates. And unfortunately, that's not how things went. The team underperformed. The front office was willing to finally trade Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And uh, with that, they got back a young developing point guard for their young developing team. And that meant Dennis Schroeder was kind of relegated a little bit. And I'm sure that's not what he signed up for. So if you add like a bit of sour grapes in the situation and the fact that the Raptors are trying to go towards a younger, more flexible team with options, I think that's kind of how you come to this conclusion. And uh, I think the interesting part is, and I mentioned this before, where like, this is basically Masai Ujiri in this front office's first experience kind of going through a rebuild, retool process. I think it's more of a retool. Uh, and so being flexible and giving yourself options, I think, is important in that. And being tied down to a veteran point guard who clearly, well, not clearly, but doesn't seem to be happy in the situation is kind of going against that mode now. Because uh, like Masai Ujiri's tenure with the Raptors started during the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan era, and they've been competitive basically since then. So they didn't really have to go through a lot of these like waving guys and figuring it out cap space flexibility for a team that's not contending you know what i mean 
So I think that's important. And another part that's been brought up, and I think it's important to note, is that a lot of teams are seemingly very wary of this uh, new CBA deal that's coming in and the the second apron penalties. That's part of why the Mark Steins of the world, like you mentioned, Jake, were kind of alluding that teams are not going to be going as crazy on trade deadline day. They're not going to be taking on these players like a Zach Levine's contract, maybe even like a DeJounte Murray's, because they're worried about the penalties that they're going to face, which will be much more severe. You would think that that might be more of a case next season, but clearly it seems to be bugging teams now. So in Toronto's side of it, if you are a mid-market team, that necessarily doesn't have the allure of the big markets to either spend and get free agencies like the LA's and New York's. You give yourself a ton of cap flexibility. Maybe those bigger bigger markets out there can't spend the same, and you swoop in with all this cap space you now have to make deals. So again, you give yourself flexibility by getting off Dennis Schroeder's contract a year early, and then you maybe also take out something that was causing some vibe issues in the locker room. So I, th- I think there's some sense there. It just was odd, the timing of it all. Yeah, I I just want to build on that a little bit and say, like, I think the Raptors could be a big team to go after, like, some ref, uh, restricted free agents in uh, this offseason or maybe even next. Because now they have a huge timeline. Um, so there really is no rush. So we're gonna, I wanna, I'm curious to see how they spend this cap, uh, what they do with it. Um, and I'm actually kind of, for the first time in a long time, excited for, like, two, three seasons down the line for a Raptors team. Like I actually am starting to see this as almost becoming, it's really close to me for a full rebuild. Like they are a bad team. Uh, they're super young as well. Uh, not as young as the Thunder though, who are the youngest team in the league and apparently the one of the best. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with the Cavs space. They're obviously just trying to get off Schroeder's contract. And yeah, that's basically, I just, I just want to see. Yeah, the, the kicker in all this was that Schroeder's contract was fully guaranteed. So he would have been set to be owed $13 million in the offseason. And now with the move, according to Keith Smith, who's crunched a lot of the numbers, the Raptors now are fifth with uh, projected salary in the offseason. So they have a chance to really just, like you said, go after some guys, restricted free agents, that they could have their money and their eye on the market with. I just, It is a strange timing situation of everything. And I think that my perspective of Schroeder leaving – it's kind of like what you said to Zolfi is that there was some weirdness in the locker room that kind of like all went around his playing time because let, let's face it. This guy coming off of arguably the best moments of his career so far in going and winning gold with FIBA world cup. And he was continuously talking over and over again about how much that locker room was like a family, how much that they all mattered and how much they all like connected with each other over time. And he was been even been out front of saying that he didn't feel like the Raptors team was like that yet. Kind of also similar to what Fred Van Vliet was saying last year um, with the team, la- uh, that, that, that lovely 42 win team last year. Um, but I think that that's all kind of similar to that. He was promised the starting lineup position, starting point guard position. And after a couple months was forced to surrender that to quickly. And even when he was talking about that, he was like, yeah, this is something that like I've been, and I'm not a stranger to. We did this in OKC and I, I just feel like he never really got over that. And Darko tried to make him feel a little bit better by that, by playing him a lot more off the bench, being the first guy off the bench and even playing him in close position, close games towards the end. But I feel like this front office just kind of knows that they are what they are. They're not a great team. They have to just focus on building these guys up, these young guys and give them more chances and playing someone like Dennis in crunch time of a game takes away from possible building times because Grady Dick, who's been 
pretty good as of recently, was taken out of the game in Charlotte for Dennis Schroeder. And it's just, when you look at it that perspective, I think that's kind of why the front office chose to move away from him. I think not only is it just the, the salary, it's the fact that there's so many other different factors that could prevent development and locker room vibes. It's just, it's weird, you know? It's a weird thing because I... I, I didn't really think he was on the table much until we saw the Timberwolves, the rumors about them wanting to back a point guard. Obviously, they pivoted more towards Monte Morris. But I just I didn't think he actually was going to move. It's just kind of strange how fast they wanted Shooter off the team. The Raptors are trying to figure out a new ceiling for this team. That That's that's a lot of it, and that's why I think a lot of this is more of a retool. Their time is ticking, quite honestly, uh, with uh, Scotty Barnes coming up on his extension. And think about this. His first couple seasons in the NBA, this hasn't been a, a project from the ground up. He hasn't been on a tanking team. Scotty Barnes' first year, they went to the playoffs. His second year, they were in the play-in. He's been on competitive teams, and he's about to get paid, and the clock is already ticking on his career. He's an all-star in his third year. Who knows what that ceiling can be? And that's what they're trying to figure out. It's very clear the Raptors saw the ceiling for this team with an OG Ananobi and a Pascal Siakam, who they have to pay, not as high as they wanted. So they're hoping that with Scotty Barnes and the rest of this core, that ceiling could potentially be higher, but they have to figure that out. And having a Dennis Schroeder taking away time from some of these uh, guys who are going to fit around that isn't necessarily the best thing for them. Having not having cap space tied to a Dennis Schroeder for an extra year when they could maybe swoop in and get some talented players now with all this like uh, second apron things going on with teams while they figure it out, the timing of it is probably better for them to get players around Scotty Barnes to then, again, figure out that ceiling. All of this is trying to just figure out how good this team can really be around this core. And that's kind of the pr- part we're at now. And they have to... Like uh, it's been mentioned quite a bit, they have to take swings. They have to try risky things. They have to try things that are a bit unorthodox to get as much information out of this core group that they can. And moving a Dennis will probably help them do that. The bar remains low for free agency signings. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. When you look at the free agents, five of them are former Raptors. (laughs) So I don't really know, like, unless, hey, maybe maybe it was like some secret agents stuff and they had a pact like, oh, gee, (laughs) go to the Knicks play great for a couple months and then go get surgery and then just come all the way back over here again. We'll take you back. Same with you, Siakam. Go have fun. Tell Indiana that they're your new home, but we're just going to take you back in, in the off season. No, I think you're right. I think the time as, as nice it is to have the flexibility and knowing that like there's retooling now, there is a time limit to this. This isn't just a take your time. It's going to be a long process, but also at the same time, like there's gotta be a point where Scotty is going to want to be competitive again, and yeah. especially like that's going to come quick. And I don't know when that's really is going to hit in, but it is going to be a reality sooner rather than later. Let's move to this other trade here because the Raptors were not done with that one trade. They put on another one with the Jazz. Kelly Olenek, Canadian legend Kelly Olenek, will now be in Toronto as he was traded with Oche Agbaji? Agbaji, I believe so that's it, how you pronounce his name. It's Ochai Abaji. The G uh the G is silent. So Ochai Abaji. Ochai Abaji. There you go. That's our new Dennis Schroeder. We'll get the name eventually right. For Otto Porter Jr., who is thankfully the Raptors have moved off his contract, as well as Raptors legend Kyra Lewis Jr., who Zolfi had a chance to talk to and ask why he picked OG's number. And then I'm sure the front office probably just heard that and said, okay, bye, get off the team. Yeah, I guess they don't, fans don't have <laughs> to worry about him wearing number three anymore, that's for sure. No, it was uh, the one appearance that he had in a Raptors jersey caused such an uproar <laughs> that it got Zulfi to ask a question about it, and then he was never seen again on the Raptors. 
They gotta find that equipment uh, manager that made number three available. By the way, I don't know who it is, and I'm not trying to give any hate, but I'm very curious. Number three being available, I guess OG stint wasn't that like crazy that you could like like reserve the number. I guess, but interesting. I'm I sorry, know what the timing. Are. The timing of it is crazy. Like, he yeah. was gone for less than two weeks, and you've already snagged his jersey. You're like, yeah, I saw three. I liked three, I, so I took it. I'm sorry, man. Like, I'm, I'm you're to not going to get the the faithful love yeah. from yeah. Raptors you, fans. What do you guys, if you had to guess what numbers weren't available, because apparently there were some that weren't, and if three is not one of them, what if you had to guess which ones weren't available to the team? Well, two is not available because the GOAT, Jalen McDaniels, has that number. Uh, seven definitely was not available. Yeah, I would probably guess so. Uh, There's no 10 on the Raptors. I would say 10 also probably wasn't available. Yeah, I, I'm assuming if they eventually decide to do something with Vince, 15? that 15 probably isn't. Uh, it was just funny because they at one point, Amir Johnson had 15, so they didn't really care back then. But maybe now, maybe now the Raptors are going to ice 15. But yeah, I don't know any other numbers. Like again, you Number think, six. Corey Joseph's number. The GOAT, Toronto. Says, no one in the league can have it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're actually right. What am I saying? Six, no one can have there it. You go. Bill Russell. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Corey Joseph has the distinguishment of having the, the last person to wear that number. Yeah, in yeah. Toronto. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Corey Joseph, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there. I think he's going to come back. He's in the buyout market. Raptors need a third point guard. Or a second point guard, for that matter. Yeah, a second point guard. It's even the point, they, man. They don't have a backup point guard. And they have two open roster spots. And we can talk into they who do. we predict could fill that out. Maybe Corey Joseph. I see some other options. Maybe down in the 905. Uh, but yeah, we can get to Killian that. Hayes, maybe? Yeah. Don't, don't. No, please. No. Why? No, no, no. no. <laughs> seventh Why? overall pick, man. How has Killian Hayes looked on the Pistons? How has anybody well, looked on the Pistons? He's led the, he led them in steals. Great. So you want another non-shooting player on the team that's defensive-minded first. No, I don't want that. I've seen way too many Killian Hayes memes online. I've had my brain soured by Killian Hayes. Don't put that out there. His form looks nice. Hey, man. Don't don't just dismiss Killian Hayes yet. I'm not saying he's great, but if you're asking him to be a a backup or a third-string point guard on a team that clearly isn't going to be good, like... They're talent wise, they'll still be better than the Pistons. So maybe you insulate him in a better environment. Again, I, I really don't care if they get him or not. I'm not ready to write the guy off yet. All right, I guess. Fine. I'll take a step back. You're supposed whatever. to be Mr. Positivity. I'm the negative one here. You're supposed to be the guy all happy about whatever the Raptors do. That's, That's true. Sick. One thing I am happy about Kelly Olenek has been a guy that I've had a tremendous amount of respect for for a long time. I think that he's a really fun big to watch. And even in Team Canada, again, this summer, I realized how impactful he actually is and really has been an unsung hero for the Jazz's retooling as well because he's helped to bridge a lot of the young pieces there. And people have been very outspoken about his character and how well he's contributed to that team. And even like offensively, he's 33 years old, but he still has a ton to offer. He's really good at cutting. And I think that him and RJ already have a built-in connection there as well. That him coming over to Toronto is kind of exciting because he's 33. He's a vet. He comes and brings experience to some guys that he already knows and building a Canadian team, the third Canadian on this roster, which is something like unheard of. This must be a record for the amount of Canadians that are on our, our team currently right now is exciting. And I like the pickup of 
Olenek because it doesn't seem like you're just grabbing him just for the sake of salary filler. No, it seems like they actually wanted to bring him in. They have a backup center, which is extremely helpful because I like Jonte a lot. But like, let's be honest, Kelly Olenek is an upgrade and he will come and relieve pressure off of Pirtle because no one can help Pirtle out right now. It's literally just Pirtle. <laughs> uh, so I like it. I think that he's a really solid addition. I don't think he's going to be starting necessarily. And I've seen a lot of people that are like, oh, maybe he'll come in and, and also start alongside with Pirtle. I I don't really know that Masai and Bobby are going to want to do that, especially with Gary. If Gary is so TBD, they're probably going to want to keep him with the starters to see just what he can do before he becomes a free agent in the offseason. But what do you what do you guys think specifically on Kelly first before we touch on the young gun over there? So let's talk about Kelly first. Zolfi, what do you think of bringing in Olenek to Toronto? Yeah, you touched on a lot of it, and uh, I I think it's a great fit. It's a a bit more expensive, but a lot more impactful version of Thad, in my opinion. And when I say expensive, not really. He's around twelve million dollars. You retain him probably for something similar, definitely under twenty, I would say. Uh, probably under 15 if I had to hazard a guess. But uh, Kelly Olenek, I think, insulates the core of this team very, very well in terms of Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and Scotty Barnes. Quite honestly, I think he fits everything those guys need to succeed. He is a spacer for Scotty Barnes. I really want to see lineups with Kelly at the five. And Yak, uh, not, I don't want to say out of the rotation, but like in a, in a closing lineup to add some spacing, I think Kelly would do fantastic for that because I want to see Scotty in the post more. I want to see him closer to the basket. One way to do that is to surround him by like a combination of Emmanuel Quickly, Gary Trent Jr., RJ Barrett, and then uh, Kelly Linick. Ton of spacing for Scotty and just like another ball mover. Uh, with RJ Barrett, he's an insane cutter. He likes getting downhill. What better to have than a great passer like Kelly Linick? You see what he did in Utah with some of those guys who can cut off the ball. And then Emmanuel quickly needs more pick and roll partners and people to kind of help him create and do what he does. He's again, he is more of an off ball player in terms of catching the ball, creating threes. He is good in the pick and roll, but you can see sometimes that stagnates and then the rest of his offense slows down a little bit. So having another guy that can do that, I think is is super important. So I think Kelly fits them perfectly. Uh, I want to go back to the whole starting point. I think you're right, Jake, where they probably start Gary Trent Jr. I personally want to see them try starting with Kelly and Yak and then having Gary coming off the bench. The main reason being is Scotty Barnes is about to have a lot more of the Scotty plus four bench guy lineups. We're about to see a lot more of that again. And uh, having a catch and shoot guy who's shooting nearly like 50% from three probably helps that, especially because they're like, we saw it before. It wasn't successful because it was such a clunky fit with the guys on the bench and they didn't do all that well. So that's part of it. Having a, a reliable shooter because he has chemistry with Scotty now playing in the starting lineup and Scotty will probably get him a ton of open looks. He just has to keep doing what he's doing. He's not going to be asked to also try to create for this bench unit anymore. A Gary Trent Jr. I mean, Another reason why is that I love the versatility of having a big starting lineup with Yak and Kelly out there. We already know the Raptors start so many games slowly. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just don't have great uh, interior defense. They get out rebounded a lot and they give up a ton of points inside. And that's even with Yakub back. And maybe it's a bit of the rest post injury, but you saw against the Pelicans and the Rockets, they got absolutely just bullied inside. So having that size of Kelly can probably help with that a little bit, or at least start stronger. And then the idea of having five pretty capable passers out there to start the game is, I think, very exciting and fits exactly into what Darko wants with this whole point five offense scheme. I think it'll work really well. And the fact that Emmanuel quickly usually starts games slow still kind of like takes some pressure off him as well. So I, I like the idea of trying Kelly in the starting lineup and seeing what it goes. Do I think it's what they do out the gates? No. Do I even think that's something that they're 
considering no but i think it's worth taking a look at at some point but yeah i think I, kelly olenic is a bit of not a home run but i think it's great and if you retain him i think then it's close to a home run i mean besides the fit too it's just it's kelly O, baby he's a legend so of course it's a man it's a kelly olenic is at the point where we call him a legend now eh that's a shout out man look at what this guy's done <sighs> canadian legend it's it's a short list for basketball canadian legends yeah, so he's up there though he, he, he has it. to be oh he, he makes it for me yeah, he is. Cause he, Canadian basketball legends. Won a medal, been with the program long, committed throughout all of like the off-season program things. Shout out, Kelly. Let's talk about the other piece in Agbaji because this was the one that I was the most excited about. I, even though, God, I love Kelly Olenek. But Agbaji, I remember specifically watching in college when he was in Kansas and him lighting it up every time that he was on the field field is this soccer <laughs> uh on the court there you go i'll get the i'll get the right sport we're a little rusty it's been it's been like three weeks since we've done a podcast okay give me give me some time and i really liked him there he went spent all four years in kansas and he's still stupidly young he's only 23 and i was a little bit shocked to see that the jazz are kind of giving up on him so early because i feel like he fit in pretty decently well to what they were trying to do there and that they are willing to move him away is definitely exciting for the Raptors because he fits Scotty Barnes' timeline. He fits RJ. He fits Emmanuel quickly. They're all so young. It's crazy how young this team actually is. They might be genuinely the youngest team in the league after the trades that they've done in the past couple of months. I got to have to fact check that, but they've got to be up there. I know the youngest team in the league was prior to the deadline yesterday, but they did acquire someone older. Yeah, OKC. Was, I mean, the Raptors did acquire 30-year-old but... Kelly Olenek. They gave, they gave away Otto and Thad and Dennis, which are older. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they got to be close. They have two open roster spots. So I think that'll probably be the tiebreaker in this. Who they sign? Do they get some older guys, like a, potentially a Kyle Lowry coming back or something? That'll definitely bump the age, that's for sure. Old man Kyle. Uh, I love the signing of him. He's been touted as an extremely high character player. And he apparently, his energy levels are off the roof and even bobby was talking so highly about that that like scotty's gonna feed off of his energy and we all know how scotty does in pressure situations with energy and like that's when scotty excels at the best so if there's a guy out there that can help him bring that to the level and what better way to come in in a situation with no really no pressure in general just to come and develop try to see what they have and how he fits with the team i love the signing i think it's a perfect perfect get for this team uh you guys on the same similar boat as me yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely raw offensively, but plays with a bunch of energy. Uh, good defender. Um, I, I honestly, I I tried to watch as much as I could of him yesterday and like read up because I, I haven't watched too many Jazz games to be honest this year. But um, apparently, he's really good at defending in transition, and it could still approve at like a point of attack defending. But he is super like good athlete. And I do remember also watching him in college light it up, and he has that connection now with Grady Dick, who I'm sure we all saw the video. Yes. Of them, uh, of Grady moving into his the dorm room right after him, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Where I think character wise, he seems like a very awesome young guy. He has, like you said, a lot of energy, Jake, and um, he was also a most outstanding player in the Final Four of the year Kansas won. So like he has a he has a decent yeah. pedigree coming out of college. In the NBA, there's been like room for improvement offensively, at least in terms of like he's kind of been relegated to the corners in Utah. And uh, he's been relatively consistent in the corners. He shoots well outside of that. He doesn't really have the range to shoot at the NBA level. 
Uh, but like you said, Spencer, he should succeed on both ends in transition. When I watched this film yesterday, he has long arms, which is always a good thing in mm. basketball, especially out of the, the guard spot. 6'5", which is just above average for like a guard in terms of height. And again, 6'10", wingspan. So I think that'll be good for him defensively. Uh, when it comes to the Raptors, I believe they got him with the idea that they want to give him more responsibility, especially on that end of the floor. Like Emmanuel quickly is going to have to figure out how to be a point of attack defender, but he does a lot better coming uh, defending off ball. So they're looking for somebody. They need somebody to be a good point of attack defender, not named Scotty Barnes. Because Scotty Barnes is already going to be asked to do a lot. He's already better as a sweeper, playing defense from behind and helping. So they're probably hoping that they can try Ochai out there and then see what he can do defensively in terms of being a point of attack. Again, physically, he has all the tools. He hasn't really put it together in terms of being able to stop guards, but he probably has the talent to at least take a shot on that. Uh, in terms of why they let him go, Jake, I think uh, Utah... I, I think it was uh, Blake Murphy brought it up yesterday, and I thought it was interesting to mention. In Summer League this year, second-year guy in Ochai, they basically gave him the reins for that team. And uh, he didn't really have the most success being an offensive initiator, which is probably why Utah was like, okay, maybe he doesn't fit what we want. Because you already heard rumors before that they were looking to possibly move Colin Sexton and trying to kind of completely restart, and maybe Ochai didn't fit them. So... I think that may have been part of it, but that's the thing with Toronto. He's not going to be asked to do that, I don't think. I don't think Ochai is going to be somebody where they're bringing him in to be an initiator of any kind. Uh, hopefully, they can get him to do more than just sticking in the corners. But uh, he'll fit, man. He'll fit. He'll add more defensively. And I think that's what Toronto's uh, agenda has been. They, they made it clear. It's prospects over picks. Uh, they don't really want to bank on too many draft picks. And they want to get young guys and see what they can do and take chances on. So a high-character guy that has the tools to be what they need on both ends of the floor, especially defensively, I think is somebody worth taking a shot on. They took a 29th pick and turned it into a 14th pick, which I think is good math. There's also one last piece of this trade was that a first-round pick was also sent over to the Jazz, which I saw a lot of people up in arms like, oh, why would you get rid of first-round pick? First off, it is the least favorable of the OKC Clippers, Rockets, and Jazz pick. So you're fine there. That's going to end up being like a high 20s, like probably around 28, 29. The Raptors already have the 31st pick in the Pistons. They're fine. All right. Like you're not going to take four prospects and bring them onto the team. Like it's just virtually impossible. So that, that does, that's not happening. So that's fine. I, I thought that generally this was probably like an underrated trade that Masai has done because people like I, I, on like base value, I saw this and immediately was like, yes, I love it because Bruce Brown also was not involved in the trade which was the report by Jake Fisher that Bruce Brown was the main target around that trade. They kept Bruce Brown, so they can keep Brown. Most likely, he's going to be their backup point guard now. I think he fits in pretty well into that role, at least to start until they see if they maybe they're going to bring in a guy in the buyout market or bring in like Marquise Noel, like you keep alluding to, Javon Freeman-Liberty, bring in one of those guys to try it. But I, I just think like, overall, it's a weird deadline for the Raptors. But when you kind of pull back a little bit outside of the Dennis, you have to look back like the main stuff was done in late December and early January. The main two pieces, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, were sent out. They brought in RJ Barrett. They brought in Emmanuel Quickly. They brought in Jordan Wara, which we also haven't talked about. Like In his minutes that he's played, has looked very solid. And that's definitely an interesting prospect to move forward. And I just think like overall, when you look at it, we wanted clarity from this front office. That's the one number one thing that we said going into the offseason, all offseason, <laughs> all first couple months is that we wanted clarity, some direction. We got the clarity and we're in the thick of it. And I know people are still kind of like, Zolfi, you said they're retooling. Spencer, you said they're rebuilding. I don't know where I stand. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle, uh, but it's, 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 it's here. 
it's been the first time in over 10 years now that the Raptors are doing this. Uh, We got our wish. So now it's time to see what players rise to the top. It's time to see what Scotty Barnes does. Grady Dick, Manuel Quickly, if he can figure out how to develop more, because we know that he's a good player. But I've been a little underwhelming since he's come over to Toronto, if I'm going to be honest. I think RJ has been the better player, which is crazy for a toxic asset to come in there and uh, light it up the way that he has. It's obviously being facetious. I really like RJ Barrett. I just, it's going to be fun, I think. It's going to be hard to watch, but it's going to be fun to see how these players actually develop. And bringing some of these guys, I think, is uh, overall a solid deadline from them. You know what wasn't a solid deadline, though? The losers of the NBA trade deadline. I'm going to come to you first, Zulfi, because we can talk about winners after. I kind of want to get the losers out of the way because I think that there's going to be a lot more to say about some of these teams. But there's a couple teams that stay pat at the trade deadline. You had your Warriors. You had your Lakers. You had your Bulls. What team do you think had the worst trade deadline outcome, Mr. Shake? Well, the very obvious one I think we can all agree on is the the Chicago Bulls. They did nothing, literally zero, and it was the most head-scratching thing. And I think I saw somewhere the Bulls haven't made a, a trade since like 2021 like and i don't think yep. it's even deadline specific like just a trade it was august of 2021 yeah, yeah that is insane to think about and the, the the reports coming out that like uh karnishavis their gm was given like a green light by ownership to rebuild if that's what he wanted and he was like no no i, th- I think we can do this guys let's try contending with this core i want to keep the rosen here long term zach levine even though he was basically out the door at one point and had surgery and is done for the year we apparently think we can make that work with those guys. Alex Caruso is untouchable. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the thinking is. Like It's one of those Raptors-esque situations where like you're holding on to this probably longer than you should, and it, like you have to come to grips with the fact that the ceiling for this team is not nearly as high as you're hoping that it will be. At no point does the combination of these players look like a championship contender to me. And even if they added an extra piece that's really good, like where would that piece even fit? Like if it's Anthony Davis, sure. Like I guess you. Fit Where's the money game. for the piece? Yeah. Like, so I don't understand in terms of just like roster building construction. Like, how do you improve upon this team? Like within the fringes, with the salary cap situation that you have, with the guys that are already there, you already have two overlapping players for some to some degree in DeRozan, Levine, and then you have a Vooch who's so up and down. Uh, like honestly, two of your more exciting players this year have been Andre Drummond, who you've talked about, uh, Jake. And uh, Kobe White, who honestly has been incredible. He might win most improved player at this rate, the way he's going. So I think those guys are good. You have a young guy in Patrick Williams who you honestly could have moved to. They just have to come to grips with the fact that they're not going to be a title contending team based around this core. And I know that's hard. Clearly the Raptors showed it's difficult. But to do nothing, to not even try to – if you're going to try to be quote-unquote competing – why, why don't you flip some assets to try to, you know, be a bit more competitive, get some guys around the fringes. You can flip an Alex Caruso for maybe a couple other pieces instead. So I, I just found it odd. I don't understand the logic behind it, especially the DeRozan-Levine combo. It's weird to have a two players with overlapping skill sets kind of try to build a championship team around. Again, going back to Raptors example, doesn't always look so great. So I don't know what they were thinking, but clearly they they seem to like this core. Can I can I go on a little bit of a classic Jake rant here? 
go nuts. I would love for you to. This might be the most pathetic team that I've seen at this trade deadline. And not just that, like going into the offseason, the countless disappointment that they've had since they've signed DeRozan to say to stand pat and do absolutely nothing is asinine. Alice Caruso is untouchable. Untouchable? You're kidding me. I, I like Alex Caruso a lot. You know how much you could probably get for Alex Caruso the way he plays? Definitely some pieces that could help out your team and your bench because your bench is non-existent outside of Andre Drummond, which, oh, speaking of as well, we're not moving him, even though he's putting up insanely ridiculous numbers and probably has the best value that he's had in like 15 years since being in this league. No, we're just going to keep him too because he fits the time. He fits everything. we're doing. What are we doing here? Actually, what are we doing here? You guys are 25 and 27 and you barely scraped past the Gigi Jackson Memphis Grizzlies last night. Like, I, I don't understand what the holdup is. Why, how do you think you can make this work long-term? You have two guys that are now out for the season. Lonzo Ball, who's been out for so long and is still on his contract. And you now have Zach Levine, who you did not want to move prior to the trade deadline. And now he's out for the season. And you have that whole thing to deal with. And you think you can keep DeRozan as well on top of this? Why would DeRozan stay? What what is there any reason for DeRozan to stay aside from keep like giving him a bag? Which why would you do that? Because DeRozan is really old. Why not send DeRozan to a contending team like the Lakers or do something to help build your franchise? If your general manager is getting the green light from the front office to say, "Go ahead, give like let's reboot. We know what this team is. There's nothing going to happen here." And they go, "Nah." We're fine. We're going to keep going. I love Nikola Vucevic. He fits so good with this team. DeRozan's great. I love it. What What the hell are we doing here? Trade these players away. You had a chance to go young and start over, and you're refusing to do that because you are holding on to some semblance of hope after one season that you had 50 wins. One season, and you went, that's it. We're going to do it. And then they got killed in the first round. What are we doing here? What is the point? Genuinely, what is the point? I don't get it. I think it's absolutely a joke. I feel bad for that team. They just feel like they're just stuck in perennial nothingness. And it's depressing because there's a lot of talent on that team. And I wish that they were just off doing better things. Like, it's depressing, man. Send DeRozan somewhere else. Don't leave him there. He's gone. He's literally walking. You're not keeping him long term. And if he stays there... what's happening it just feels like i've seen this story play out before this has been the bulls for the past decade plus is that they get a roster and they're so fixated on it that they stick with it to the bitter end and then they have to restart over again then they trade for a star trade for another star try to make it work and it doesn't end up working and they go no 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 we'll, we'll, we'll keep it we'll let it go it'll keep happening like move on enough it's just pathetic at this point Come on, Jake. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic are good players. Hey, Jake we got Lonzo Ball coming back next Jake year. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe he's coming back next year. It's only been three years since he's been out. Oh, just my God, man. Just squint a little, and maybe it looks like a good team. I could run that organization better. Like, it's actually just downright pathetic. And I feel bad for the players. Okay, and the only, like, 
what, what what's likelier? Can you run the Chicago Bulls better than the current front office, or can you guard Michael Porter Jr.? Which one would you rather bet on? Okay, look. So Bulls. <laughs> the fact is that now this possibility is slightly semi more likely than it ever would have been beforehand because his brother is now on the Raptors. <laughs> like there's hey, actually man, you, you the, the odds were zero percent. I do walk past his brother a lot. The odds are probably now at like zero point five percent. But it's there. There's a chance. Uh, Yeah, the Bulls are pathetic, man. I feel really bad for their players. I wish that they would have done something to help reboot that team because I I like a lot of the guys on that team, but they're just, they're never going to do anything as long as they have this core together. And it sucks. You're not wrong. But I actually want to highlight a different team for my loser. And I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Because they are terrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they give up the most points per game in the NBA. They have the third worst defensive rating. Like, even if you thought your team was going to make the play-in, there's no way that that team is going to do anything in the playoffs the way they play defense. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess DeJounte Murray could have just been too hard to move. But the, the way, they are also a team that said that Kobe Bufkin was untouchable. What does that word even mean? I, I'm, it's starting to lose all value in this league yeah. now. Untouchable gets thrown around like nothing. Taylor Horton Tucker's untouchable. All these random idiots, just untouchable. Yeah, so if the Mavericks picked up the phone and said, I will give you Luka Doncic for Kobe <laughs> Bufkin, apparently the Atlanta Hawks are saying no. Um, but yeah, I got to go with the Atlanta Hawks. I just think that they are they have some good pieces. Like Jalen Johnson's awesome. I really like Okongwu as well. Um, I actually kind of was hoping that the Raptors got him in like a Pascal deal, but... I just thought that they would do something because they are one of the only other teams I can see. There's also like the Lakers, which I was close to picking, but um, they're a team that's just stuck in limbo. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, they obviously have Trey Young, who is probably their untouchable player. And then they have all these other pieces that obviously isn't working. They don't play any defense and there's no way they're winning a championship with this lineup. I wish they would have, I wish they would go young and like kind of retool just around Trey Young and just keep Jalen Johnson, keep Okungwu, and just just build up a younger core that's going to all go into their prime like a little bit after Trey Young because his offensive skill set's going to carry out into his thirties. So if Trey Young is like thirty one and they had a bunch of twenty eight and twenty seven year old studs, I think that's the best way this lineup or this organization can win a championship anytime soon with Trey Young. So I'm just very disappointed in them as like an NBA fan. I thought they were going to do something. You want to know the funny yeah. part, Spencer? Uh, the irony exactly. in the fact that you said uh, the front office says Kobe Bufkin's untouchable. And uh, there's been reports coming out that the Trey Young market is officially open, that he could be uh, oh, okay. moving this offseason because of their current situation. <laughs> like Jake Fisher said that there's several front offices that listened to Atlanta's pre-deadline chatter and came away with the idea that Trey Young could be available. So Kobe Bufkin untouchable, but Trey Young... 27 and 11. You can maybe have him. So, Trey Young to the Lakers this offseason. All right. I remember that. <laughs> the Hawks have been chasing their Eastern Conference Finals appearance for almost three years now, and it's not working. Like, DeJounte Murray is a good player. Don't get it twisted. And he's arguably putting up like some of the better numbers he's had of his career this year, of just efficiency wise. It's just, it's not working. You should have tried to move him. You should have done something. You have Clint Capella there. He's a perfect trade bait piece. Yep. And I, you hear nothing about him because they're so fine with him being there. 
they're again a team that like should be better than they are because all these young pieces that they have around them but then also at the same time like you neutered your squad bringing in DeJounte Murray it didn't work now you just don't want to move him and like where are you going at this point and if Trey Young is available in the offseason then 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 what are you doing because like you're just fully starting over it's not like Trey Young is some 27 year old man even though his hair is balding like he is like it's just I, I don't understand what, the, what what are these teams doing? I think they're they're praying they were praying or hoping they could get a haul of picks back for Dejounte Murray that wasn't available again. Like we talked about, second apron teams being worried about this situation going further down because they basically are like like hands tied behind their back with all they have to give to San Antonio for the Dejounte Murray deal. They don't have like basically any future assets, so they're like, okay, holy crap, if we don't have anything right now. How do we get stuff? And apparently one of the only ways to do it is to pray somebody gets in a deal for DeJounte Murray or kind of teasing the idea of Trey Young being available and seeing what what takers there are. So I don't know. They're just in a tough spot because if we're talking about going young and building for the future, they have to basically bank on the guys they have now. They don't have many assets outside of that in terms of draft picks. So it's a weird spot to be in, but you kind of put yourself there by thinking you could put Trey Young and DeJounte Murray together and that will be a successful backcourt, which I thought from the outset wasn't a great idea. Yeah, they become very complacent. Sorry, like they just there's a couple teams, the Bulls, the Hawks, and a couple other. They just become very complacent, and whether it it's like biting them like in the ass now or in in a year now too, like they just I feel like that's the worst way to be is like a front office. You just can't become complacent. Like you have to have a direction. Like we we talked about that a lot in the off season for the Raptors, and there's a couple teams that are really falling into that mold. Let's move to the winners because they're obviously two losers, the Warriors and Lakers, though. Like, I, Warriors is up, kind of just... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, but I'm going to bring up one other loser when you're done. Okay. I was just going to say Warriors is just kind of, for me, like, Warriors and Lakers are both in a wait-and-see type situation. Like, we know that they're not going to probably be there at the end, but, like, you never know. Look at the Lakers last year. They turned it around, and they're hoping that <laughs> Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent coming back will push them over the top. I'm very hesitant about that. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, Warriors as well, like they finally pulled the trigger and benched Clay Thompson, which is a crazy thing to be saying, but it worked effectively for them last night, putting Podemski into the starting lineup on his birthday too, man. What a cold, cold world we live in. So uh, they're very much to me, wait and see teams. So I don't know if I would put them as losers because like, I thought they would have at least made like a small deal, but like, it's fine. It is what it is. uh, Is kind of how I feel with there. Zolfi, who's your last one? Yeah, uh, in terms of the Lakers, there's also the fact that apparently if they go into the offseason, they'll have an extra pick to work with. So maybe that can help them out. But the loser I wanted to go to was uh, Grant Williams. He has been put <laughs> through the mud after this. Apparently Dallas really, and I mean really wanted to get off his contract, really wanted to get him out of there for the situation. There's been conversations come out that it's just he didn't fit. He was a weird locker room presence. Apparently him switching his shoes from Lucas Jordan's to Jason Tatum's was something that was a point of contention, according to some things I saw online. And just the fact That's a thing. that yeah, apparently I saw a couple <laughs> tweets about that, that he switched his shoes back to wearing JT's and that that was at least noteworthy to somebody. Uh, and yeah, they just okay. didn't fit. I saw some stuff about how they kind of brought it in, him in to be like this three and D defensive kind of anchor. And he wasn't uh, per se because uh in Boston, he found a lot more success kind of defending bigs, using his strength, which is not how Dallas utilized him, and that kind of changed his role a little bit. But the fact that they wanted to get him out so bad, like they were just trying adamantly to move Grant Williams, 
and uh, to the point where they sent him to Charlotte. So clearly they didn't really care about where he went in terms of being contending. And all this information coming out now, it's just, it's not a great look for Grant Williams. So I'll say whether it's true or not, he comes out a loser in this situation for being dealt off Dallas and playing from Luka to now being on the hapless Hornets. There's a video that I sent that was going viral of resurfacing in the preseason of Grant Williams and Kyrie Irving, where Grant Williams is recording something on his phone and just like mouthing nonsense to Kyrie. And Kyrie has the most disgusted look on his face, looking over at Grant Williams. And he's like pushing him away from him. And the the PR team is playing off like, oh, lol, isn't this so funny? And now everyone's looking at it being like, ah, man, that didn't even last half a season. (laughs) Poor Grant Williams. According to ESPN's Tim McMahon, uh, Grant Williams rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in the organization, and the Mavericks were determined to part ways with him. And then, yeah, the whole switching sneakers from Lucas to Tatum's. He was supposed to be like a big get for that team, too, yeah. in the offseason. The sign-in trade, like people were making some noise about that. They're like, that's a really good fit piece. And uh, no, now he's just been completely booted right off of there. Uh, I think that's actually a perfect segue for me to bring in winners because I'm going to go with my boy, Daniel Gafford moving (laughs) across to a different conference and leaving the wizards and going to the Dallas Mavericks. Daniel Gafford, friend of the podcast. I have been touting his (laughs) praise. I'm going to keep saying it until he ends up on the podcast. One day it's going to come true. It will come true. And I'll be the happiest man in the world. No one talk. No one's really talking about this trade, and I kind of forgot about it because I was writing a ton of articles yesterday, and then I saw that it happened. I was like, "Oh my god, Daniel Gafford got traded!" Uh, I'm so happy for him. He's in such a better situation, and he really fits a need that Dallas needed as like this backup big. Uh, even then, like if you need to put him into starting positions, sometimes you can because he's shown that he can produce. Granted, it's on the Wizards, like we know, whatever. But he's a double double machine. He's very effective at what he does. Uh, I I think he's a perfect fit in for Dallas because they were desperately on a lookout for a tall little boy who does some shots and does some blocking and does some rebounding. And Daniel Gafford went for like basically nothing. And I, I, I love that pickup for Dallas. I just think it's a really, really solid pickup. Yeah. Great trade. He adds a size to the team that they desperately wanted. I think Dallas by extension is just a winner. In this deadline, because uh, again, if you're PJ Washington, the, yeah, PJ Washington, they had shooting and size. They wanted a, a space flooring four, was all the reports were, and they got it in PJ Washington. Again, Daniel Gafford had size, some backup depth, and they potentially starting with Derek Lively. And they just filled that like area of need with size, but not giving up a whole lot. So I think it worked out well for Dallas. They got what they needed. That was good. Who wants to buy me a Daniel Gafford jersey? I, I mean, I'll pitch into Fiverr. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think uh, Daniel Gafford might be the only person I can get you a Daniel Gafford jersey. I don't know if they're going to be on sale <sighs> in the store. I looked for his Twitter. He doesn't have one because I started to think wow. about making graphics for him every single game and then just seeing where that would go. Uh, because Are Dallas is also going to... by him on social media? That happens to people if you get too too obsessive. I just like his game, man. I just <laughs> I like his game. That. Just don't creep him out. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, I... PJ Washington also like we talked about him in the offseason as like why why is no one signing PJ Washington and Charlotte waited that long to get PJ Washington with his contract and then flipped him and like now he's in a set better situation because he is exactly what he is he's a stretch forward he's good as the four and he 
produces constantly. He's extremely consistent, and he's shown that over and over and over again. And that's why I was confused why no team wanted to even pick him up. And now he's going to be in a great situation as well. I just think Dallas, like, this is kind of their year, man. It feels like it's their year. People aren't really putting a lot of, like, because I know the West is so, so stacked at the top there. Like, the Clippers were the number one seed, and then they went down to the fourth seed a day later. That's how close all the margins are. But they're loading up. Like, Luka is now definitely up there as one of the favorites in MVP with Joel getting out of there with his injury. I It just it feels like it's kind of their time. Yeah, I think if yeah. Kyrie can stay healthy, definitely they could. I could see them making a run. I'm gonna put my margin down. I think the they're making the finals. Ooh. I'm hedging my bets. Bet. I think I think they're making the finals. Well, considering my other two bets were voided, am I right? Voided. Ah, uh, like sure. I'll give. I'll, I'll throw you a bone, I guess, and say that why not. But uh, I'll keep the, the Pacers record. one is fine. I'll keep the Pacers one, the Ma- the Mavericks one or the Memphis one. Like no, that one just needs to be voided. I'm sorry, I'm not taking a John Morant injury as my the reason I lost that. The saying is something you should take into account when making the bet. But fine, okay, fine. all right, all right. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I totally yeah. thought that John Morant was going to come in and just die, man, immediately. <laughs> uh, okay, fine, fine, fine. All right, what else do we got? Um, uh, one uh, one last quick winner. I have one last quick winner and that's kind of the early birds because I think that like I was kind of mentioning that a lot of people went into the trade and like, Oh, not that many people moved, but there's some teams that took advantage of that beforehand. And like the Clippers with getting James Harden, like there wasn't this whole wait and see with Harden the entire middle of the season. The Clippers took full advantage of that and able to get him before the season started. And they turned their season into now people being thinking that they're going to be contenders, especially if Kawhi stays healthy, which he's done so far this season and also is an MVP consideration, which I think rightfully so Uh, just early bird getters. I think that the Pacers took well advantage in getting Siakam early. The Knicks clearly OG and Anobi helped spark what's turning into a pretty special season there, but injuries are very concerning. I'm sure someone else is going to mention the Knicks as an overall winner. I actually wasn't, but I was oh, gonna hold. Okay. I, I was I wasn't gonna either, just to take another team because I thought it was gonna be taken. But yeah, next day basically added two guys who are gonna immediately slot into their rotation, not giving up a whole lot to Detroit, which is I think fairly fairly impressive by New York. Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich will help, especially with the injuries to Julius Randle and uh, OG Ananobi. But like you sent out Quinn Grimes, who yes was part of your rotation. But he's a young guy who you wanted to flip because his upside is maybe not the biggest, or at least you don't see it there because you're a win-now team. He might take longer to develop. Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, and Ryan Archidiakono, especially Ryan Archidiakono, was just not playing. Uh, two second-round picks don't matter to the Knicks when you're trying to be competitive. So two guys will immediately slot in and help. Alec Burks can maybe hopefully help defensively a little bit. You know what he can do offensively. Boyan Bogdanovich is a lights-out shooter. You know what's crazy? And I didn't even realize this. He's averaging 20 points a game. Like, yes, it's on the Pistons. And yes, he's like over 30, but he, it's a 20 point per game scorer you just added. That's insane. I wouldn't know about. that if I didn't have him on my fantasy team. That's the only reason yeah. that I know that. He's just the definition of consistency. Yeah. 20 is definitely the new like 15, I'll say that, like in the NBA, based on how scoring <laughs> is inflated, but very, very impressive nonetheless. And adding that guy to like maybe start, probably come off the bench when everyone's healthy, like I think it's just really, really good to have for a competitive team. This Knicks team, man, they are solid top to bottom especially like when they get like healthy again and they're like big man rotation gets a more a bit more solidified 
Like, just watch out for the Knicks. I love them. I love the vibes for this team. They're just well-built. They're likable now, too, yeah. which I would never thought I would say that about a Knicks team. They're just a fun team to watch. You see them celebrating Mike Breen, and they're just like, here you go. Here's a jersey. Brunson coming in. and talk. Like, They're just a likable team now. I, yeah. It's they're 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 having a special season i am concerned about injuries like that is seeming to be a massive issue hardenstein also just went out with a hamstring injury as well like it's it, it's it's pretty bad the amount of injuries that are coming to them so hopefully they were able to steady out because i think they're really fun to watch and they're like a grimy defensive team too like very very well solid all around so i think genuinely like aside from dallas like they also just got two great pieces for nothing like you said uh spencer who are you gonna pick as your favorites well i thought someone else would say the knicks for sure that was the first team that came to mind i was just gonna go with the uh the thunder actually they only made one move but i think it was a really good move for them uh they like we talked about before they were and might still be the youngest team in the nba and they're competing they that's just the the matter of the fact and uh I think they needed like a, a good veteran player to come in and just add that um, add that layer that they're missing. And I think they got one that they didn't have to give up much for. They didn't give up any first round picks. Well, it says draft conversation. I don't know if the picks came out, but usually a first would be announced by now. That's for sure. And uh, the three players they gave up, Trey Mann, uh, he's a good young piece, but they have so many guards. They're so guard heavy. If you're playing like 2K, my GM, like you're, you're trading one of their guards for sure because there's just there's not enough room for all of them to play. Uh, so that's a good piece that Charlotte got back, but I think it's just a really solid trade for them, and they didn't give up really any of their assets that they've been holding on to. So they're still in the same position they were before the deadline, in my opinion, and they got another piece. So I think they're a winner. Yeah, I think that's solid. J-Dub uh, is hurt. Right now, so kind of a guy who can maybe slot in and fill in some of those minutes. Gordon Hayward's a guy who can be solid in the right situation. If he can do it in Charlotte, he can probably do it on a better team, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's weird because it's not technically what Oklahoma probably needed the most. They probably wanted to add some size, especially inside. Uh, but it's yeah. a good player, and you gave away not a lot to do it. So I think it's a it's a good way to kind of add some veteran leadership to your team who can maybe contribute, especially in a playoff run because he's, he's tested. I'm surprised so, they didn't go after Andre Drummond actually to add to go to an earlier. Uh, they probably did, but the GM was just like, "Nah, he's untouchable, <laughs> man. You can't you can't have him on your roster." The Oklahoma, uh, the Karnishevis went to OKC and was like, "Guys, guys, we're gonna make the play in. I think we want to keep Drummond for our long postseason run. What are you doing? Be serious." God, what a joke. Um, I just wanted to put it to rest. I just looked up the youngest team in the league. It's actually now the Pistons with all the trades that they've done. I guess that uh, makes they, sense. They are now the youngest because they've game, shed yeah. their oldness off of their team. Raptors are in the top five, but they are not the youngest team. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Zolfi, you have an overall winner? Yeah, so my winner, and this is going to come off as very biased because I have been on the Phoenix Suns agenda the entire season, uh, is uh, the Phoenix Suns. Look, they added Royce O'Neal and David Roddy in a three-team trade with Memphis and Brooklyn. And the reason why I like this deal Yes, they gave up a lot. They sent four players out. Yuta Watanabe, Chemeze Metu, Kita Bates-Diop, and Jordan Goodwin. But those were four guys that just were not playing. Those guys were not in the rotation. Clearly, they weren't contributing enough. And now you add two guys, especially in Royce O'Neal, who very, very likely is going to play. He's veteran. He has some experience with Kevin Durant. 
And it's just somebody that you know is going to actually be out there for minutes, which is what this Phoenix Suns teams need. They don't have a lot of depth. Yes, they made all these like signings around the fringes and coming into the uh, season. I was a bit more positive on that. But the fact is those guys just haven't contributed enough to really be out there, especially when you cut that rotation down come uh, postseason time. So I think it's good for them in the sense that like they move some stuff around, got guys back who will actually play. And when the Phoenix Suns big three are healthy, they are good. Like the numbers back that up, the record backs that up. When they're healthy, they're good. And that's all Kevin Durant teams have been going through lately is just have the guys out there. They will look good. This Ironically, this Phoenix Suns core, I'm pretty sure, has already played more games together than James Harden and Kyrie Irving did with Kevin Durant, which is insane to think about. Uh, but add some veteran pieces around there. And they have two roster spots now, so look for them in the buyout market. I don't think they're under the luxury tax. So they like getting a Kyle Lowry, for example, I don't think is possible. But uh, I, I honestly see the Suns as a fantastic spot for Thad Young. They're a team I haven't really thought about, but now that he's waived by Brooklyn, and I don't think a lot of people have mentioned it, but I think Thaddeus Young as a veteran guy to kind of add, again, playoff tested, I think he would be great as a buyout candidate with them, some of the other guys available out there in terms of a guard. So look, they, as long as you get players that are going to play, and again, a young David Roddy is going to probably get some minutes in there too, I think that matters, and it's better than having four guys who weren't playing. Thad Young can still go, man. Yeah. Like... I was genuinely surprised this last month or so of him playing that like he's solid. He's an old man and he's still very ready to contribute, which kind of makes sense why Masai made that trade in the beginning, grabbing a piece like him. I think he's a perfect fit. I I like that shout on the Suns. I I love that shout. Yeah. Like I kind of feel like no one's talking about the Suns this year. And I think that's kind of why like, they're kind of going under the radar, which might be a good thing because they've had so much expectation put upon them with the big three yeah. that I don't feel like they're kind of like flying close to the sun necessarily of what we are expecting them to be. But like, they're still hanging around. They're still there. Like come playoff time is really when this all matters and getting a starter in Royce O'Neal that they can plug in whenever they want to. He closes out games was an underrated pickup and like, just kind of goes went under the radar, just very similar to what the Suns are doing in general this year. Yuta Watanabe, my boy, I poor guy. He's a rap, poor bad day for Raptors bench players, eh? Getting thrown around the league like that. Yeah. Malachi Flynn is third team in a month. He's in Detroit uh, now. Ah, uh, he's gonna play there though. Yeah, I mean, same with Utah. The Grizzlies are a very skeleton crew team, so maybe Utah gets them reunited. He's been in Memphis before. So, you know, Utah could get some burn again with that team. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to finish off by saying that, like, Jake, you picking the Mavericks. The Suns were the team I picked coming out of the West before the season started. That was my prediction. And uh, maybe I'm not as confident in that, given the health. But I still think the Suns come out. I'm pretty sure I had either Suns-Celtics or Suns-Bucks. I'm pretty sure I went Suns-Celtics because I didn't want to rematch with Suns-Bucks. So, uh, Celtics look good. Suns-TBD. But I don't know. I think if they go on the right heater and stay healthy, they still have a shot. I don't even remember who I picked. I think it was Celtics and... Well, you got the Mavericks now. Yeah, I do. I think it was the Nuggets before, but I, th- I feel good about my mulligan. I feel good about throwing in the, the Mavericks in there because I like the Nuggets. I just... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You. You're more confident in the Mavericks than the Nuggets. I love the confidence. I t- they, they're good, man. They're, if Luka can continue to play the way they are, maybe I, I mean, you call me an emotional bandwagoner or whatever you want to call me. Like, I just... I don't look at it. I just... I, I like what, what they're doing, and I think Daniel Gafford puts them over. 
Like Jake is just doing anything he can to get Gafford to come on this pod. At Gafford, please. Posted on social media just how much you've like loved Daniel Gafford. There is an odd chance that he does see it, or someone in Dallas sees it and just gets us a ten minute combo on the pod. Look, I have enough, the most random players in the league. I will randomly have like, like a love for Steve Blake was one of them. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I went to a Raptors game wearing a Detroit Pistons Steve Blake jersey, and he was he was there, and I was like cheering for him, and he didn't get checked into the game, and I was so sad. <laughs> uh, didn't even like I I tweeted at him with I was in the jersey, no response, and I was like, come on, man, I was the I'm the only one here wearing a Steve Blake jersey out of twenty thousand people. Please come take a photo of me, and uh, no, so I like. Every once in a while, I get players like that. Gafford's my boy, man, and I'm excited to watch him on like a good team. I don't have to watch the Wizards to watch Gafford cook, and people will maybe realize that he's a solid player in this league. Yeah, yep. I think the moral of the story is the West is going to be very fun. Yeah. Yes. That's not even talking about some of the teams like the Pelicans. Like, they, the it's Clippers, a, it, like there's so many teams. Man. It's a good team, man. It's a good, it's a good conference. It's a, definitely better than the East, that's for sure, which I think is going to be Clipper or Celtics and no one else. <laughs> yeah, no one beat healthy. Don't really have a challenge. The Bucks, maybe they figure it out with Dame. If him and Pat Bev don't beef with each other anymore now that they're teammates. Celtics also got better. Xavier Tillman didn't mention yeah. him. Yeah. Like what a what a great pickup for them, even though apparently he has no timetable for a return. So he was traded hurt. Yeah. Uh which that kind of sucks, but as long as he's healthy for playoffs, like I yeah. don't think it really matters because I still think this team is easily eclipsing 60 wins. I think we were all very right on that one. Yeah, I just wanted mentioning the Celtics. Your boy, Delano Banton, is now a trailblazer. So, shout out Canadian guys moving around. Bad day for Raptors bench players, man. Raptors, Canadians, yeah, both. Just moving around. But, hey, maybe Delano gets more of an opportunity in Portland. At least there's that bright side. Yeah, no. That's another team that's just, you want to develop players? You know what I'm going to do? Malcolm Brogdon, 40 minutes every single day. That's what that team does. They, I can't believe they didn't trade Brogdon away, man. I kind of forgot. He Anyways, was in there. Oh, weird, weird, weird. Yeah, no. Well, to be fair, no one's really looking at the Trailblazers a lot, are they? No. I want to quickly bring some fast break. We're not going to go through a full fast break here, but just some things to mention. Uh, like I quickly said, Clay Thompson bench last night against the Pacers for Brandon Podemski looked to be a good thing. Pacers Warriors won nearly by thirty points against the Pacers. So probably it's safe to say that this is going to be something continuing going forward. I feel bad for Clay. Like it's got to be tough to know that like you're a NBA all-star player and like, you know that you're past your prime and he's like very adamant with speaking out about it. Uh, it's kind of, it's just kind of sad, man. I feel a little bad for Clay, but father time got to him. Uh, just hasn't looked the same since the injuries and uh, the timing sucks because he's going to be a free agent in the off season and most likely will be on a different team. That's not the Warriors. So Kind of sucks for that one. Just a fun one to wrap up trade deadlines. Robin Lopez was traded away from the Bucks uh, and was <laughs> immediately waived. But Lopez, the trade did not go through. So Lopez was still in Milwaukee and was present at the game last night with a book and was just reading the book. So I wanted to ask you guys, what book do you think Robin Lopez was reading? I mean, the, oh, the, the cop-out answer is, like, fighting mascots for dummies or something like that. Okay. Nah, he's probably reading, like, Tom Sawyer. He seems like a Tom Sawyer kind of guy. <laughs> Gives you Tom Sawyer vibes? 
Something like that. Something like something that was published before 1950. You think he's painting a white picket fence somewhere? Well, is Tom Sawyer is that part of Moby Dixie? I don't even know. I'm not a literature guy. No, I don't think no, so. No, 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 no. I don't think. So. Oh no, no, Moby Dixie something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. They're all just old stuff. <laughs> old literature. You don't read Spencer. You're not a reading guy. Uh, I actually do enjoy it, but I don't usually get around to it. No, but when I do pick up a book, like I enjoy it. Last book I read was Prehistoric by Alex Wong, which you can find in stores now. Sorry. Was it good? Would you recommend it? <laughs> it was good. It was actually very good. I, I'm not go. surprised because Alex is, has shown that he's a very good writer. But as he said on the Raptor show countless times, like he's it's a very good book. Like He's marketed it for a reason. Like It deserves a lot of the praise it's getting. It's very very good look at the history of the Raptors. It's a good time to read it, go. too. The Raptors may not have the prettiest history moving forward for the next couple seasons, so let's reminisce. Look back. Enjoy. Scotty Barnes was listed to the All-Star game. My prediction came true. I called it in the offseason. I was conf- confident. Uh, granted, we did not get there the way I thought we were going to get there. He was an injury replacement for one of Julius Randle or Joel Embiid, as well as Trey Young, who I thought was an insane, horrid snub done right by getting into the All-Star game as well as the reserves were completely put out there. And I want to kind of say that Scotty Barnes was also selected for the skills competition, reuniting him with Tyrese Maxey. If you don't remember, they had that clutch competition in Scotty's rookie year when the two of them just embarrassed themselves by not being able to hit a single shot. And it was a lot of fun. So they're reunited once again. And I wanted to ask, what event are you looking forward to most at the All-Star Game next week? We have the three-point competition with the eight stars that have been selected. We have Sabrina versus Steph, which I think is probably my personal favorite, what I'm looking forward to. We've got the dunk contest with Matt McClone in there with Obi Toppin's brother. And then we have the skills competition. We do have the $300 million man in the dunk contest, so... yeah. I'm going to go with that. I, I do enjoy I'm a sucker for the dunk contest. It hasn't been great. Uh, probably. Was there it's a good one since? Like, Mac McClung was good last year. But other than that, since Aaron Gordon in Toronto was Zach Levine, that's probably the last, like, super, like, rememberable yeah. one. Um, so I'm hoping maybe something changes. Maybe Jalen Brown getting in there and maybe hopefully putting on a show will encourage other stars to get into it. Like, maybe he, you know, gains a. a Billion impressions on Twitter off of some crazy dunk and, uh, you know, other stars want to get involved next year. So that's probably what I'm looking forward to most. It's probably the same answer for me every year, though. Yeah, the NBA needs to cook the books and get Jalen Brown to win this thing. That's how you convince stars to get in it. Jalen Brown wins and shows that it's not this big, embarrassing thing, or at least makes it to the finals. Maybe makes some money. Like you said, gets a lot of impressions. Uh, Players are apparently super against this idea like star players for one reason or another i can't remember what it was but i'm pretty sure i saw a report of like uh, a front office or like a coaching staff kind of like urging a player not to uh, participate in one of these events again that could be totally made up but i think i saw something on that and it's clear that there's like this agenda of like this could be bad for your your reputation this or that so hopefully jalen brown being in it can change a bit of that so the nba should try to hope and pray that he wins uh but I'll go with the three-point contest. I think uh, it's fun. You have some great guys in there. You have Brunson, Halliburton, Mitchell Young among the competitors, uh, Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley, fun guys. And uh, Laurie Markkinen, I always love seeing a big in there. Uh, I kind of low-key think Laurie could actually win this thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit too hopeful there. But it's always – I think the three-point contest has kind of taken over the dunk contest in recent years as, like, the more, yeah. like, uh, I guess, like, close or interesting competition. 
it's cool to see these guys kind of shoot so lights out. And it's also cool to see some of them have to be in different situations and kind of shoot differently. Like, I don't know how many times Laurie Markkinen is shooting in the way that he does in a, in a competition like this. Even guys like Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, a lot of them is off the balance creating for themselves. This is a very different thing. Uh, you're going to get to see uh, at least a minute straight of Halliburton's wacky jump shot. So that'll be... Hell yes. Yeah, and then I, I personally think the Steph and Sabrina thing kind of like coincides with this. So I'll maybe cheat and say that's part of it. So I think that adds an added element too. I think it'll be fun. And a uh, side note, the I'm sure you guys have seen this, but the NBA is like using the this digital floor core that's made out of glass. So that can be cool. They can do a lot of fun stuff. So like whilst they, these players are shooting, you can maybe see the stats on the side or some fun graphics uh, during the dunk contest. I've seen to your point, uh, Spencer uh, Jalen Brown wears number seven D Brown wore seven for the Celtics. So, and they're both last name is Brown. So you wouldn't even have to wear a different Jersey and he can do the D Brown, like Reebok pumps, like no look dunk. And if you have this cool court, maybe you do like this fun graphics package. That is a throwback video to that dunk while Jalen Brown is doing the dunk. So you can get really creative with it. So I think the, the court part of it can be fun too. And then with uh, Sabrina and Steph, I am positive. They make like a big show out of it on the on the fancy new tech court because they probably put the the WNBA three point line and Sabrina's gonna be like no no give me the NBA three point line and they instantly change it to the NBA size so they might do some fun stuff there but yeah I think the three point you think so they're gonna want to showcase this court that's part of why they're doing it they're gonna want to like market the hell out of it as like something that they can do cool stuff with so I'm sure I meant by Sabrina shooting from the the NBA line I think she's like all but confirmed it. She's gonna use W. She's gonna use WNBA balls, but she's gonna use the NBA line. And to be fair, they are practically the same. Like in the, they're the same in the corners, but just coming out the arch is a little different. And I think it amounts to like two feet or less. So it's really not that different. And I'm sure she shoots from beyond two feet of the three point line plenty of times, anyways. So I don't think it's that much of a factor, to be honest. I did not know that. I'm I'm just excited for that one in general. They're two absolute snipers. I think it's a really fun way to get some eyes on the WNBA as well. And yeah. like, why? It's just fun, man. I, I love if Steph lost too. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> I I just want to see it happen. And that's like, I like when the NBA tries new things and they're like not afraid to do new things. And this is something that like, I I didn't think it was actually going to ever happen. But like, the weird setup that they did for it with him talking with Podemski being like, hey, did you know this? Like the obvious like setup that they were told to go out and do that because they were randomly mic'd up for it. Like it's just a fun new addition to the all-star game which i think they need to continue to keep doing i think the court's part of that hopefully the skills competition there's some way you can get rid of that one and do something different with it because i think that's everyone's least favorite competition this is kind of it's kind of there it's just kind of passing a ball around and dribbling and bring back the shooting uh, but, stars do you guys did you do you guys like the shooting stars competition from back in the day you bring scarborough back. shooting stars oh no well yeah shout out scarborough shooting stars but like the this like they had like three teams and it was like different like it was like kind of like the skills competition, but it was like you take shots from around like uh, the floor, so an elbow jumper, a layup, a three point line, or whatever. You do a bunch of different things like that, and it ends with a half court shot. Chris Bosh won it like three years in the row in a row with the Miami Heat at one point. Bring back like the sh- uh, shooting stars competition. I think it's a lot more fun. You can bring in like a WNBA team. You can have an NBA team. You can have a Hall of Famers team or a seventy fifth anniversary team or whatever. And just kind of do that because, like, after a certain point, like it's it's not based on like like it's not based on having to be young and athletic. Still, you know what I mean? It's just shooting for most of it, especially a half court shot. Like, imagine seeing like an old vet, like again, a Chris Bosh is retired. If he comes back and does it again, it'd be cool. Bring back Team Antetokounmpo with Alex. Bring him back out there. 
<laughs> Raptors 905 yeah. legend. Yeah, why the hell not? Uh, yeah, they, that's basically what the clutch challenge is for the Rising Stars, isn't it? I feel like that's like they take shots from around different parts of it. I don't even know what the hell a clutch challenge was. I thought Scotty and uh, Maxi were just in the skills competition when that happened. No, they did the clutch. That's what you're talking about. It's basically a very similar thing to that, where they have to take like make different shots from around the arc. Yeah, it shows how memorable that version was. Oh, I did not okay. even remember that's a thing. I mean, it didn't help that they missed every shot. <laughs> yeah, that didn't help either. But it's immortalized in Shaq and the Fool. Uh, I think we should end this podcast because yeah. I feel like. It's a good spice to end it out. Uh, we hopefully will be back sometime in the near future. Don't know about next week uh, with the All-Star game coming out there. Maybe we'll do a post-All-Star game recap after that. But hopefully you guys did enjoy that. If you like what you heard, you can follow us at Twitter at Dream underscore Team Pod and on Instagram at Dream underscore uh, that Dream underscore Team underscore Pod. Sweet Jesus. Uh, and you can find me as well at Jake underscore Schultz 6 on Twitter. Zulfi, where can they find you? Uh, at Zulfi underscore Shake on Twitter and Instagram. Z-U-L-F-I underscore S-H-E-I-K-H. Jake, you can share the same plug. But at Sportsnet, social editor, that's our role there. Yes. Uh, we'll have some work there as well. I'm working on a little 905 teaser primer post trade deadline to kind of talk about some of the guys to look out for. That'll be up there soon. And freelance work with Raptors Republic. So check it out, please, and thank you. Yeah, and you can find me on Keep Up the Trend with the underscores at Spencer underscore Kloss, C-L-O-S-S. And that does it for us. Thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one. Peace.